Greetings, I'm Lisbon Versi, Brown County UW Extension Agriculture Educator, and I will be your moderator for today. On the panel is Matt Lippert, Agriculture Agent for Wood County UW Extension, Joe Lauer, Corn Agronomist for UW-Madison and UW Extension, Randy Shaver, Dairy Nutrition Specialist for UW-Madison and UW Extension, and John Shutsky, Agricultural Engineering Specialist for UW-Madison and UW Extension. Harvesting at the right time is key, but it's also equally important to use the proper settings on harvesting equipment to make sure you get the most out of this year's crop. So Matt, what should producers keep in mind as they get their equipment ready for corn silage harvest? Thanks, Liz. We have a lot of capacity, horsepower, and a lot of efficiency of the equipment as it moves through the field. It's one of the more op uh, impressive operations we have in our farms today. If it's not operating correctly, we can produce a lot of less than optimal feed very quickly. This equipment needs to be monitor monitored continuously to produce a consistent and high quality product. We will be discussing some of the tools on hand that we can use to help make these on-the-go assessments. Corn silage is considered a forage, but is really two feedstuffs being harvested and stored together, often in nearly equal proportions. We have grain and fodder. The grain, even though not harvested at full maturity, as for dry grain, still relies on processing, and storage time is fermented silage to optimize starch availability. The rest of the plant needs to be uniformly cut to optimize packing in the bunker and for adequate fermentation and to maintain adequate effective fiber in the diet and to minimize sorting and feed waste. Many forage harvesters today utilize two steps to fully process the silage. Knives are used, as in haylage, to establish a theoretical length of cut, TLC. In addition, a processor may roll or shred the silage. The entire plant goes through the processor, but it is especially beneficial for breaking up cobs and providing adequate processing of corn kernels without creating loss of TLC for the fodder fraction of the feed. Joe Lauer, I left out many details, so I hope you can fill in the spaces that I left. Thank you, Matt. Um, one of the things that I wanted to touch on uh, was the things that can still be done in the field with harvesting corn silage. Uh, one of the most simple things that can be done, and it's really a function of how much forage was, was able to be harvested over the season up to the time of corn silage harvest, but one of the things that can be done is to uh, adjust the cutting height of that corn silage out there. For every foot that's raised, basically you lose about 15% of your forage tonnage or yield. However, the milk per ton increases as that cutter bar is raised as well because you're leaving the lowest quality plant part out in the field, the lower part of the stem. That's where all the nitrates accumulate, where most of the moisture is at. So even though you lower your yield, your forage quality goes up, and your overall milk per acre is not affected all that much. It's really lowered relatively minimally, only about 4% um, or so from a cutting height, a normal cutting height of about 6 inches. So you do end up with lower yields, but you do have a fairly a better quality product that's out there. Now, how high should you go? Well, you certainly, want to, you certainly want to get the year and you want to get the, the grain into that corn silage because that's where a lot of the energy of 
of uh, corn silage is located. Another advantage for uh, raising that cutter bar and leaving the poorest quality part, plant part out in the field is that you can increase your residue cover on the soil and that can possibly lower soil erosion uh, come next spring. Again, a relatively small change will affect your yield, but it can also improve the quality of that corn silage that's out there, as well as adjust the moisture uh, of that product going into the bunker. Uh, Randy, did you have any other thoughts about, about cutting? Thanks, Joe. I, I'd like to uh, follow up and, and discuss uh, length of cut and uh, also the uh, setting on the processor. I'll talk in general terms. It's important to realize there's a lot of different types of equipment and processors out in the field today, and uh, you really need to work uh, with your equipment supplier, equipment dealer, to make sure you've got the correct settings on, on the length of cut as well as the processor. But in general terms, if we have a, a chopper that's not fitted with a, uh, an onboard processor, we normally uh, chop that quite fine or finer than, than we would with a process silage to use the chopping or knives to uh, break up the cob and, and also the kernels. And so typically we're at a 3 8 inch or a 9 to 10 millimeter, 9 to 10 millimeter theoretical length of cut setting on a traditional chopper without an onboard processor. When we go into our conventional kernel processor type uh, systems, uh, there we're usually at a 19 millimeter uh, theoretical length of cut or 3 quarters of an inch and the processor setting is anywhere from one to two millimeter. And now we also have some newer types of equipment with a greater speed differential and some more novel type processors where we're seeing theoretical length of cuts of 26 millimeter, so approaching an inch theoretical length of cut. And then again, that uh, processor is set somewhere in the area of one to two millimeter roll gap uh, spacing. So again, those are some general um, guidelines, but certainly consult with your equipment uh, dealer to make sure that you're getting it right for the specific equipment. I do want to mention just one more thing, and that is if we're getting silage drier than we would like it, we need to chop finer, whereas some of the wetter material uh, we can actually chop coarser. So there is some movement, again, depending on the type of chopper, depending on what, whether that silage is on the wet side or on the, on the dry side. So I'd like to uh, turn this over to uh, John Shutsky and have him uh, discuss some of the safety aspects of the harvest. Um, most of the listeners know that farms are pretty dangerous places and they can actually be unforgiving. Late summer and the fall season that's coming up here is a particularly high-risk time. Here in Wisconsin, we have a, a pretty tight window of time to get things harvested before that winter rolls around. And it's that urgency and time pressure that can sometimes contribute to mistakes. And those mistakes often lead to injuries and sometimes even death. Uh, machinery does play a major role with some of our serious farm injuries. The shortcuts and the mistakes that people make can be deadly. Um, Things like power takeoff entanglements, getting wrapped up in a self-unloading forage wagon, or even rolling a tractor on a bunker are things that happen just all too often. The best way to prevent these incidents is to invest in some of the prep time to get your equipment ready for the season, 
Matt and Joe and Randy talked about some of the adjustments to maximize quality and to maximize the value of your crop, but there's some other things to look at. You need to think of your role in safety the same way that an airplane pilot might do or even a race car driver. And that means to establish a, a pre-flight checklist or a pre-NASCAR race checklist and go through a, a bit of a shakedown with all of your equipment to make sure that all systems are go. Are the shields in place on tractors and choppers and blowers? Um, you need to make sure you replace any questionable hydraulic hoses or bearings or belts. Again, many of the terrible farm injuries happen when these breakdowns happen. Uh, people get stressed out, they get frustrated, and they do something that they know that they shouldn't do. If you're spending time on the road or on the highway, uh, make sure that your slow-moving vehicle emblems, your flashers, your lighting are all fully operational and visible. And also, in Wisconsin, many of our farms have hired workers that are helping with harvest. As an employer, spend some time with them, Talk with them about your expectations. The same is true if you're hiring custom operators. You need to create and expect a culture of safety. The final thing is to make sure that everybody involved in the operation has some way to communicate. Um, most times that's a smartphone, could be a two-way radio, but also realize that text messaging or even talking on a phone while you're working or driving is also very distracting and can lead to some additional risk. It is impossible to cover everything safety-wise, so it's critical to learn as much as you can about safety and to adapt these and other recommendations to fit your own individual operation. To learn more, I would encourage people to check out the website www.agsafety.info. Thank you to our wonderful panel today.